Psalm 27, 4 says this, says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. One prayer request. This one thing I ask, this is it. This is my prayer request. This is my one pursuit. My one prayer request, my one pursuit is to be in the beautiful, breathtaking presence of God. That's my one request. That's it. David's going. King David is saying, I've got one request, God, one pursuit. And it's to just gaze, to just be in your beautiful, breathtaking presence. With the people near you, I want you to share, take a few moments to share the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful, breathtaking places you've ever been. Do that right now. Near, with the people near you, share one of the most beautiful, breathtaking places you've ever been. I had the privilege when we were missionaries in Ireland to actually go on a leadership retreat with several other missionaries. And we went, uh, I flew from Dublin, Ireland to Italy and got to go in this 15 passenger van up into the mountains of the Italian Alps. And man, it was beautiful. It was breathtaking. And the coffee was amazing. Over there, they don't serve it to you in a cup. They serve it to you in a bowl, which I'm all about that. It was like a bowl. I'm like, yes, I love Italy. And, and so it's beautiful. It was breathtaking. Now, I want you to think about that place for you that's beautiful, that's breathtaking. And have you ever tried to describe that to someone that's never experienced it? Right? What do we do? We usually pull out our phone. Well, let me show you some pictures I got to tell you about my trip where we look at Instagram, we see where people have been, we see Facebook, right? And so we're trying to, to share our experience with, with someone that's never been there. And we do it by, by showing pictures, by, you know, just here's some pictures of my phone or describing it with words. And if you're the person hearing about it, you've never been there, you're just kind of like, you know, wow, that's beautiful, that's awesome. And, and usually the conversation ends with, man, if you ever get the opportunity to go visit, that you need to go. And we kind of tell the people, right, you need to go. And, and, you know, I've been on the receiving, like, oh, yeah, sounds awesome. If I ever, that'd be great. And we never go, right? You never, you just kind of settle for looking at someone else's pictures and, and kind of riding off their experience. With that in mind, I want you to go to the book of Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. God has led his people, Israel, out of Egypt. They were slaves there for over 400 years. God has led them out miraculously. They've come through the Red Sea, and now they come to this place, this mountain called Sinai. And God has spoken to Moses, and he's told Moses to tell the people, listen, here's what I'm going to do, but you need to make sure and ask the people if this is what they want, if they're going to respond, if they're going to actually do what I asked them to do. And so I want to pick up this conversation between God and Moses and God's people. 
Exodus chapter 19, verse 9. And the Lord said to Moses, I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine being there. I want you to imagine being a, tw- a, a tent dweller, all right? You're, you're there. You're, you're part of the Israel family, Israelite family, and you're there. You're just, you're there with your family, and, 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 and you're just a tent dweller, and you're kind of, imagine the scene, imagine being there, imagine seeing and watching this, this event unfold. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you. That'll preach just, just right there. The God of the universe is coming to you. And he's coming to you. He says, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud. Imagine the scene. That the people may hear when I speak with you. This is God talking to Moses. Like he's speaking. God is speaking. He's talking to Moses. He says, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you. And may also believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments. And be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord, and he's speaking, saying, I'm I'm coming down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot with an arrow, whether beast or man, he shall not live. There's something about the presence of God that we need to understand. The presence of God is good. It's good, but dangerous. Because of his holiness. The presence of God is good, but dangerous. And you see that. It says, when the trumpet sounds a long blast, they'll come up the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people. And they washed their garments. Go down to verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings. Picture this. And a thick cloud on the mountain. And a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. So we're talking about over a million people are able to hear this trumpet blast. And they're trembling. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. Now I don't know about you, but picture something. Okay, there's there's like this thunderstorm of lightning, clouds, and God is speaking. And there's this trumpet blast. And and Moses is like, all right, let's go meet God. All right. I'm not quite sure what to expect here, but here we go. So Moses, verse 17, brings the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled Greatly. So imagine you're there standing at the foot of the mountain with your family and you're watching all of this unfold. Verse 19, and as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. 
question for us this morning. I wonder, when God has made a way for you and me to go up the mountain, if we've settled for looking at someone else's pictures and their experience. When God has called us and made a way for us to go up into the mountain to experience the presence, encounter the presence of God, I wonder, church, if we as the church have settled for just looking at someone else's pictures and their experience of their encounter with the God of the universe. Francis Chan, who is a pastor and Bible teacher, tells a story of how one of his mentors who lives in India called him on the phone a couple years ago. And the mentor was weeping. He was distraught because of the condition of the church in America. And Francis tells a story, and he says, my, what my mentor told me was, was this. He says, over tears, he says, it seems like people in America would be content to take a selfie with Moses. Don't they know they can go up the mountain themselves? Why don't they want to go up the mountain? And I have to ask myself that same question. Am I more content? to just ride the coattails of my parents' experience with God than experience God myself? Am I more content to just get my picture with someone that seems close to God than actually go and be close to God myself? Am I more content to get a picture taken with maybe a Christian artist or a Christian Bible teacher or that favorite pastor we listen to on a podcast or a favorite Christian author and we're super excited? And there's nothing wrong with those things. But, but have we settled for like, yes, look at this, when God's going, come up the mountain. Come. A.W. Tozer, who is one of my favorite Christian authors, says this. He says, the full purpose of our salvation is that we might enjoy the manifest, the clear, recognizable, evident, conscious presence of God. He says, the great passion in the heart of every human being who are created in the image of God is to experience the awesome majesty of God's presence. And he says, I believe that God's people, the church, are hungry for the real spiritual food. They long for the reality of God's presence. And I agree. I agree because that's my heart. I long for the presence of God in my everyday reality. I do. I mean, I'm, I'm tired of settling for selfies with those who seem to be close to God. I don't want the presence of Moses. Nothing against Moses. But I don't want the presence of Moses. I want the presence of God. I want the presence of of a God who meets me on a mountain with thunder, lightning, thick clouds, smoke, who, who's willing to come down and meet with me. I want, I want the presence of God. And quite honestly, this whole series that we're going to be involved in actually over the next two to three months, because this is going to take us all the way to the season of Advent when God comes down. This whole series comes out of the longing of my own heart. It really does, if I'm honest. 
the longing in my own heart to just experience and encounter the presence of God in my everyday reality. I want to go up the mountain. I don't want to stay at the foot of the mountain. What's amazing is God has made a way for me to go up the mountain. And what's crazy is God's heart is the same. He wants you to come up the mountain too. He wants you to come and be with him and meet with him. He wants that. And so here's the point that I want us to get. God's heart is not just to be with you. That's great. God's heart is not only just to be with you, but to show you that he is with you. God's heart is to manifest his presence to his people. That's his heart. I mean, that's what we read in scripture. When I read scripture, I see a God who visibly interrupts the lives of his people. I see a God who wants to invade my life, your life, this church, your house church with his presence. That's what I see. I don't want to be content with just taking a selfie of that. All right, if somebody else is experiencing that, I, I, I want the presence of God in my life. Now I know, listen, I know as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, in that moment of belief, God fills me with his spirit. So I know I have the presence of God in me through the person of his Holy Spirit. But I want to experience and encounter the presence of the spirit in my life every day. I want that. So I know that, yes, God is in me because of his grace and faith that he's given me to believe in him as my personal Lord and Savior. But, but I want and I long for that experience and to encounter that in my everyday reality. I want that for you. I want that for us. Again, when I see scripture, I see a God who visibly interrupts people's lives with his presence God not only just wants to be with you, he wants to show you that he is with you. He wants you to experience and encounter his presence. How do we know this? Go with me to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at a ton of scriptures this morning. Genesis chapter 3, because I want us to see God's heart. That his heart is not just to be with you, but to show you that he is with you. To, to manifest his presence to his people. Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. And they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I remember as a kid, I could hear my dad walking through the hallway because he's got this click in his heel. It was weird. It was just everywhere you could hear it. I mean, you knew he was coming because you could hear the click in his foot. And plus, he's 6'3 and a big guy. I mean, you could hear that. I mean, you could hear this, the sound of Merlin Jones walking through our house. I mean, you could hear it. And here we have Adam and Eve saying, you know, we can hear the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God is making his presence known by walking in a garden. Didn't have to, but wanted to. He wants them to experience his presence. He knows that's what they need more than anything. They need him. And he wants to be with his people. So you hear him walking in the garden with his creation. Those made in his image. Exodus chapter 3, 
verses 1 through 6. So we see God making his presence known by walking in a garden. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. I mean, I know we've heard this story, many of us, like tons of times. But try to just imagine reading this for the very first time. You go, what? This is crazy. Right? So, so the angel of the Lord appears to Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looks, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it wasn't consumed. So this is just not your ordinary burning bush. This is a continuously burning bush. And Moses says, I'm going to turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Curious, Moses, I'd do the same. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, this is amazing, God calls to Moses out of the bush. What? Moses, Moses. And whenever God's speaking to you, here's your response. Here I am. It was good for little Samuel too, First Samuel, First Samuel chapter three. God called to a Samuel, he said, Samuel's like, here I am. So God calls out of the bush to Moses and he says, here I am. Then he says, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Again, the presence of God is good, but dangerous. Because of this holiness. But here God makes himself known by walking in a garden. He makes himself known by being in a bush that won't burn up. Exodus chapter 25. Exodus 25. Verses 21 and 22. This will lead us to the next chapter, Exodus 26. But we need to see this. Exodus 25, verse 21 and 22. And God is giving commandments to his people. And he says this, And you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark, this wooden box. And in the ark you shall put basically the the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, that testimony that I shall give you. And then God says this, There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, two angels that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. So God's saying, I'm going to make my presence known to you on the top of this box in between these two angels. We're going to call that the mercy seat. And there I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to speak with you. Exodus chapter 26, verses 31 through 34. And you shall make a curtain, a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen. It shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it. And you shall hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold, with hooks of gold on four bases of silver. And you shall hang the curtain, the veil from the clasps and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the veil. Now that curtain was like 18 inches thick. And he says, and and the curtain's going to separate for you two rooms, the holy place and the most holy place. And you're going to put the mercy seat that's on the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. So here you have two rooms. You have the holy place, and then you have a place called the holy of holies, and they're separated by this 18-inch thick curtain. And God is saying, what I'm going to do is I'm going to meet with you 
in this place called the Holy of Holies. Now, only one person could go in there, and it was the high priest. So only the high priest could go in there basically once a year. David told me he could go in there, and he was going to meet with God. So my whole point, and see, God wants to meet with us. He wants to be with you, and he doesn't just want to be with you. He wants to show you that he wants to be with you because he's going to meet with you, meet with this high priest on the top of this wooden box. He's going to speak with us. But what's dividing that is this, this curtain. Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 through 38. Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 through 38. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, where the ark of the testimony were, where, where the, the holy place and most holy place they were in this tent of meeting. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, talking about God's people Israel, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. So God would show up in this, in this cloud. And when the cloud would rise from the tabernacle, from the tent, and it would move, they would move and they'd follow this cloud. Because the cloud, God, God's presence was in this cloud. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and then at night, there was this fire. And the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. I mean, can you imagine? Imagine that. I mean, every day you'd have this presence, this visible manifestation of God's presence. Cloud, fire, tent, holy place. I mean, just... You see God's heart. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. You have a prophet named Elijah. And this guy is discouraged. He's depressed. He's at a point in his life when he thinks it'd be better to die than to live. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 13. It says, There he came to a cave Elijah and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, Well, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword, and, and I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, God said, Go and stand out on the mount, the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. I love that about our God. He's just so gracious. He says, listen, go. Go stand on the mountain. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. So is God there? Is he, is he always in, a, in this, this rage of thunder and lightning? But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was this earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord is not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper, silence, the sound of silence. And when Elijah heard it, he wraps his face in his cloak. Why? Because he knows that's the presence of God. He wraps his face in a cloak and he goes out and he stands at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah says again, so here God shows up 
in a hushed whisper, silence. He shows up by walking in a garden. He manifests his presence in this bush that won't burn up. He manifests his presence on the top of this wooden box. He manifests his, his, his presence behind this thick curtain. He manifests his presence right here in this, this sound of silence. How about Isaiah chapter 6? Isaiah chapter 6, God's prophet Isaiah. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah speaking, he says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, dangerous, woe is me, for I am lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So God shows up in this supernatural vision to his prophet Isaiah. Let's go to the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Luke, chapter 1, verse 34 and 35. An angel comes and visits teenage Mary and says, How, Mary says to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Meaning, how am I going to have and give birth to the Son of God? How? And the angel, verse 35, says, The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So God's going to show up by the presence of His Spirit inside this teenage girl and give her a baby. I mean, what? Walking in the garden, burning bush, vision from heaven. John chapter 1, verse 14 and 18. The Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word, referring to God, became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And go down to verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, but he, Jesus, has made him known. So here God shows up in the person of his Son, Jesus Christ. Do you see God's heart? God's heart is not just to show you that he's with you, but to, to, God's heart is not only to be with you, but to show you that he's with you. He wants you to see his presence. He wants you to encounter, experience his presence with you. That's his heart. And then Luke chapter 5, we won't look at that one, but Jesus is walking along a sea, and some fishermen are there, and he totally interrupts their day completely. They're just out fishing, making a living, and here the presence of God and the person of Jesus Christ comes and invades their every day. And he says, come follow me, and they're like, all right. And they go. He invades, he interrupts their everyday life. Acts chapter 9, Saul, you know the story? He's on his way to kill Christians. And Jesus shows up in this bright light, knocks him off his horse. Why? Because God, God's heart is not only to be with you, but to show you he's with us. And through that, Saul becomes a Christian and the greatest missionary of the Christian faith. 
Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. Holy cow, you have these disciples up in a room. Right? I mean, it's just crazy stuff. And they're up in a room. Jesus has left the building, and he's gone to heaven. And they're like, what now? And they're praying. And Jesus said he'd send his Holy Spirit. He'd send his presence down on them. And so, like, they're in this room, and the Spirit comes, and there's fire and all this stuff. And, like, all of a sudden, they're they're speaking in these languages that they didn't even know. Why? Because God wants to show you he's with you. He wants to show you that he's with you. Revelation chapter 21, read at the end of the story, the beginning of the story, we see God coming down, walking in a garden with his people. At the end of the story, we see God coming down in his city, making his dwelling with men. Then you have the presence of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. His presence, he shows up in the presence of the gifts of the Spirit. That's how he shows up. You see the presence of God when someone's gift is serving and they're serving, when someone's gift is is leading and they're leading, when someone's gift is, is to prophesy over someone, you see the presence of God. Ephesians 5.18, you can turn there. Ephesians chapter 5.18. Paul writes to the church, he says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul tells us to be filled with God's presence by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Theologian Wayne Grudem says this. He says, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with the immediate presence of God himself. And it therefore will result in feeling what God feels, desiring what God desires, doing what God wants, speaking by God's power, praying and ministering in God's strength, and knowing with the knowledge which God himself gives. Listen, God's, what's all this tell us? God's heart is not only to be with you, but to show you that he's with you. And that's grace, people. That is grace. We don't deserve God to do that for us, but he does. He's such a loving, gracious God. Man, it might be while you're walking in a garden. It might be while you're changing a diaper. It might be while you're on your commute to work. It might be when you open, it's going to be when you open up the word of God. It's going to be when you gather with God's people, whether here or in your house church, because God is always present with his people. And it might be while you're sleeping or praying or worshiping, but God's heart is to not only be with you, but to show you that he is with you. So as we start this series, we're going to look at how God reveals his presence to his people and ways God's people experience his presence. Listen, you don't have to settle for selfies with Moses. Why not? Go to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 15. Remember that curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies that only the high priest could go in and meet with God? 
Remember that curtain? Mark chapter 15, verses 33 through 38. The crucifixion, the death of Christ. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry, saying, it is finished. And he breathed his last, and here it is. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Do you know what that means, church? Do we know what that means? Do we understand the beautiful picture and reality and truth that Jesus is telling us when that curtain tore in two? You know what he's saying by that? Through the cross, he's saying, come up the mountain. You come up. I want to be with you. I put my son on the cross to die a death so that you don't have to stay at the foot of the mountain anymore so that you can come up and experience me and be with me all the time. That's beautiful. I want that. I want to experience the the beautiful thunder and lightning and power and grace and silence of the presence of God. I want that for you. I want that for me. Listen, God's heart for us is for us to experience him and his presence with us. Go back to Exodus chapter 19. As the band comes, Exodus chapter 19. Verse 16, picture this. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Stand. I want everybody to stand. Imagine we're standing at the foot of the mountain. And now the mountain is wrapped in smoke because the Lord has descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And because of the cross, the Lord now calls to you to come up the mountain. Go up. Don't settle for looking at someone else's pictures of their encounter and their experience and presence of God. Because across God is calling you, He's calling me, He's calling us to come up the mountain. So this week, as we launch into this, As we travel up the mountain together over the next couple months, this week, simply, I just want you to look for the presence of God in your life. Just look. Because he wants to show you that he's with you. 
Just look for them. Imagine a movement of house churches throughout our city that are experiencing and encountering the great, breathtaking, beautiful presence of God. Imagine what that would look like. Imagine what that would do to your neighborhood, to your community, to your workplace. Imagine. This morning, I want to offer an invitation. Because I think as a church, if, if there's anyone like me, then I have settled. I have settled for lesser than the presence of God. And so when we start singing, I'm inviting our pastors and their wives to come to the front. And we're going to pray. And what we're first going to do is we're going to confess our lack of desire to be within the presence of God. And maybe you want to join us. Maybe you want to come. Maybe you just want to kneel. Maybe you want to grab some people who just want to pray. Maybe you just want to come and join us. Just confess our lack of desire to go up the mountain and be in the presence of God made possible through the cross and the empty tomb. Or maybe you're here and you want to receive Christ. You want to become a Christian. You say, man, I, 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 I'm not even a, a Christian. I need the presence of God in my life. I, I need him. I need forgiveness of sin so I can be with him. Maybe you want to come forward and you just want to receive Christ this morning. Or maybe you're here and you go, you know what? I just want to come and I just want to beg God to give me an awareness of him throughout my week. But as we sing, what's the Spirit saying to you this morning? And respond to his invitation. His invitation is simple. I want to be with you. But that's not all. I want to show you that I'm with you. Come up the mountain. God, you're good. You're good. You are here with us now. And I ask through the presence of your spirit in us and among us, move us to be a people who are desperate and longing and encountering your good and yet dangerous presence. Amen.